You are listening to the Financial Clarity for Doctors podcast by Finity Group, LLC, where we discuss the pertinent financial planning topics facing physicians and other medical professionals. Discussions in this show should not be construed as specific recommendations or investment advice. Always consult with your investment professional before making important investment decisions. Securities offered through Cambridge Investment Research, Inc., a registered broker-dealer, member FINRA, SIPC. And now, here are your hosts, Rochelle Vanderzanden and Corey Janoff. Welcome back to Financial Clarity for Doctors, everyone. This is Rochelle Vanderzanden here. Corey's on the line, too. Hey, everyone. Yep. And today we want to talk a little bit about home buying. This is a topic we've tackled a few times, but we're going to approach it a little bit different right now. I know that it's kind of a challenging time to buy a house, especially with interest rates being high and you know prices have come down a little bit, but not as much as maybe a lot of people have hoped. So we're going to talk about a few different ways to look for a home and potentially purchase a home. And then hopefully you can get a better idea of what might make sense for you and for your family if this is something that you're really interested in. Um, So just as a quick overview, I think the three main types of homes that you can potentially purchase are ones that already exist. You know, you're looking on Redfin, somebody lives in a home, they're hoping to sell it, you can go to an open house and view it, all of that kind of stuff. Then there are some new construction homes that are like spec homes, where basically a builder has built a whole bunch of homes using just kind of standard specifications, and you can choose to buy that. Sometimes it's currently under construction, sometimes it's already done, sometimes it's like, oh, you know, it's almost done, and you can buy it and move in in like two months. And then sometimes people choose to build custom homes. You know, you work with a builder, you work with an architect, you design a house from scratch, you select all of the features, all of the finishes. There's a lot of back and forth and and you just build it from the ground up. You buy the land and you build it. Not you yourself with your hands, probably, but with some assistance. There is sort of a fourth option, which is kind of an in-between where you may work with a builder that already has an existing floor plan, but it's early enough in the process that you can choose a lot of the features. You know, like there's already kind of a spec home, but you can choose the finishes for the cabinets and the floors and the colors on the walls and all of that kind of stuff, which can be, you know, kind of the best of both worlds in some situations. So lots of pros and cons to each of those those kind of styles of homes you can be looking at purchasing. So we're going to go through a bit of that today. Yes. It is interesting that people don't build their own houses anymore. I know Lindsay's <laughs> maternal grandfather built their house and his her grandma still lives in it. Um, they're uh, on, on her dad's side. They, they built a, a cabin um, that, they, that the family still goes to. So like, I don't know anyone that is handy enough to build a house anymore outside of an actual builder. Yeah. I mean, those are the only people that do, right? (laughs) You're trying to do it. There we go. But yeah, I guess one other piece worth noting that we don't really spend much time on, but we'll spend a quick minute on. There's, you know, the single family home versus a condo. Um, You know, quickly can discuss some pros and cons for that. So with a single family home, generally, you'll have more space. Like you might have a yard. You're not going to share walls with a neighbor. Although some of the homes nowadays, you could reach out of your window and touch your neighbor's house. Um, you know, you're responsible for the interior and exterior maintenance. So it's your house. You're, you're in charge of everything. You got to keep it in in good shape. Um, you know, as a result, your homeowner's insurance is generally a little bit more expensive than it would be for a condo. 
Um, a condo, you have more condensed space, of course. You, know, you, you share walls with your neighbor, uh, but really you're just responsible for inside your unit. So it's a lot less maintenance, um, and as a result, the homeowner's insurance is a lot less. It's basically a renter's policy, uh, but it's called a studs-in policy is sometimes what it's referred to. Uh, but, you know, pretty pretty inexpensive. Um, HOA dues. So some with uh, single-family homes, some neighborhoods have homeowners associations, and you have to pay a you know, small amount or potentially large amount if it's, you know, a fancy gated community with pools and, and parks and whatnot. But... Um, but, uh, but yeah, with the condos, you know, you're going to have generally much higher HOA dues just because you got to cover the maintenance of the building, planned expenses, landscaping, et cetera. If there's a pool, you know, those are more expensive, the insurance for the building. So you're probably spending at least a few hundred dollars, if not upwards of a thousand dollars a month or more depending on the, uh, the building, um, for, for those homeowners association dues. And, uh, you know, the, it's, you know, pros and cons, you know, do you want less maintenance? Do you want to, you know, be close to your neighbors? You want more of an urban lifestyle living in the, you know, central downtown area, or do you want, you know, to be in the suburbs, more space, etc. So no right or wrong, but more personal preference. So, um, let's see back to the different, you know, types of homes or I guess stages in a home's lifestyle where you can buy them. So I guess we'll st start with probably the most common, which is just buying an existing home for sale. You want to take that one, Rochelle? Yeah, absolutely. I think this is um, what everyone's used to generally. Like the first, when you're thinking about buying a home, this is usually the way that you approach it first. You look at the existing buildings that are available, what's, what's available for sale. It is kind of hard though, because right now there's just not enough homes like there there's not enough homes to satisfy demand which means even though interest rates have increased quite a bit prices are still fairly high so it can be hard to find an existing home that really works for you um and it's also you know people that are in those homes right now a lot of people that already own have locked in an interest rate that is very low you know, two and a half percent, three and a half percent, something like that, because they've locked in that interest rate that's very low, even if they maybe paid a little bit of a premium to get into that home, their payment's still going to be really reasonable. If they want to move and live somewhere else, they're likely going to have to take on a much larger mortgage payment in order to have like the same quality of home. And so there's not a whole lot of sellers. Like people are wanting to hold on to their homes right now. And and it makes sense. Like if, if you're in a home that's comfortable for you, if you're staying in the area, a lot of people are just going to be holding on to their, their homes, especially in the short term. But, you know, if, if this is what you're looking to do, there are homes out there. It's not like they don't exist. It's just, you know, the, the pickings may be a little slim, like inventory is a little light right now. But if this is what you're doing, you, you work with a real estate agent to figure out like what neighborhood do you want to live in? What's the price range you're looking for? And you can put in all sorts of different parameters and then you can do a little legwork yourself. Like there's so many websites out there now like Zillow and Redfin where you can just put in all the parameters that you're thinking about and look for something. And then once you find a home that you like, you can make an offer. It seems really scary and it's like kind of a big commitment, which it is, but the, your real estate agent helps you with that. Like you basically put in an offer. If things go really smoothly, you can make an offer, close on a loan maybe in a month if it goes really smoothly. Sometimes it doesn't. That's 
often how things go. Maybe it takes six weeks or eight weeks. If it's a really competitive market, there may be multiple offers. So let's say, you know, the price is listed at 650 and you're like, I would pay 650 for that. And then, you know, Joe Schmo down the road, they're like, oh, well, I would pay 680 to live there. So I'm going to make a higher offer because I know that people are going to want to live in this house. And it can be really competitive and you can get into situations where you're paying more than you want and where, you know, you're not going to get a whole lot of concessions from the seller and things like that. Because one other part of the process is that there's a little back and forth, you know, there's an inspection on the home because if it's an existing home, it's it's likely that there could be some problems with it. So sometimes you can make an offer and ask that the seller fixes certain things. And in a market that's really competitive, maybe they're not going to fix anything because they know that they can turn around and get another offer from someone else and not have to worry about any of that. But other times, you know, they can be willing to offer quite a bit in order to sell the house, which is probably more like what's going on right now because it's, it's a little bit harder to buy, but it's also a little bit harder to sell right now. Um, if a home is on the market for long enough, sometimes a seller may have to reduce the price. Sometimes you can make like a below list price offer and potentially get a little bit of a, a better deal. It really just depends though. I think one really important note is that real estate markets are very localized. So it's not like we can look across the United States and be like, the real estate market is good. The real estate market is bad. Like, you can't do that. You really have to look at specific neighborhoods to get a sense of, you know, how quickly are homes selling? How many homes are on the market? Do I have a lot to choose from? Do I have a little bit to choose from? Like, what do I need to be thinking about here? Um, one thing I would say is that when you're looking at existing homes, you're probably not going to get exactly what you want. Like it, it's already there. <laughs> you can't, you can't customize it and just get all the little pieces that you want. So you'll probably have to make some compromises, and that's okay. Like that's not the end of the world. But just know that you know that perfect home may not be out there. It might be like, oh, this is like ninety percent of what I want. That's gonna, that's great. Like that's gonna be a really good success rate. But you just don't expect it to be perfect in every way. There's no such thing as a perfect home, no yeah, matter even a what. Custom build. <laughs> even your custom built home, like if you get all the rooms and the you know space, and then you're like, oh man, it's too big. This is a pain in the butt to clean, or you know, my cleaning bill is, you know, it, it, there's nothing perfect. Like, um, there's absolutely nothing. There's no such thing as a perfect home, in my opinion. But yeah, you know, you want to try and check as many boxes as you can. I think in in one of our very first episodes where we talked with. Um, real estate agent Rick McDowell about you know buying a home. Um, you know, one of the things we discussed was going through a checklist of the the need to have and the nice to have list. So obviously we we want to try and check all of the need to have boxes, but then you're not going to get all of the nice to haves. You know the more you can get the the better, but um, at some point you just have to be content with with something and know that again there is no perfect home out there um let's see so you know, because existing homes are pretty limited right now um you know spec homes uh, well, actually even spec homes are kind of limited now a lot of builders have halted projects but they're still out there so spec homes um you know the last home i bought back in 2015 was a spec home where you know, typically a, a like rochelle mentioned earlier a larger builder 
will buy up a large plot of land and develop a neighborhood. You know, it could have a dozen homes in it. It could have hundreds of homes in it. It just kind of depends. Um, but uh, they'll design the street plans, the and some of it's you know in conjunction with the city on that regard. But you know, they'll they'll design they'll you know plot out all the lots, um, design all the floor plans, uh, the interior and exterior finishes, get all the permits to do everything. And, 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 you know, from the city and the community to build the designed house on the, on the lot, on the various lots. And then, you know, you know they can't just build them all at once. So they kind of gradually build homes and, and gradually release them for sale as they come down the pipeline. And it's pretty much first come, first serve. So, uh, you know, some builders literally will pick out everything and it's you just get to buy the house as they've designed it. And it's a brand new home, which is cool. Um other builders let you pick some of the finishes, like, you know, if you get in early enough in the process, you know, if you're, if the home's already done, you can't really pick stuff, but if you're, you know, if you buy the home early enough in the construction process, they might let you, you know, pick from a couple different styles of, you know, or stains for your cabinets or a couple different countertop options or, you know, the, the floor color or something, or do you want carpet or hardwood uh, downstairs, you know, things like that. Usually it's not, it's not custom, but they'll give you a few different choices. Um, again, if you're, if you're early on enough in the process and under, under contract, um, with spec homes, you, you generally can't get into bidding wars because usually the builder takes the offers on a first come first serve basis. And, and once you've submitted an offer and it gets accepted, they're not going to field any other offers, uh, unless of course you back out, um, so, so as a result, there's, there's also usually not a lot of haggling you can do. Builders are, are really reluctant to drop the price on the home, um, you know, unless they're really desperate. But you can often ask for some free upgrades, like you know, get air conditioning added for free, or you know, get the upgraded carpet that has more padding so it's softer, um, things like that. But you know, usually your the price it is what it is. There, there is no negotiating there. But you can usually add a few things. Um, you know, on the builder's dime that's not in the, the existing package that they're advertising. Um, and what we've seen recently, you know, again, because it, it's really a weird dynamic. Um, costs are high. Interest rates are high. Uh, you know, builders don't want to drop their prices as a result because that's just going to you know, create a slippery slope and lead them to struggling to make profits. But uh, what we're seeing is a lot of especially the larger builders have their own mortgage financing arms and um, you know, they, they'll try and steer you heavily towards using their mortgage and you know, there's pros and cons there. Um, you know, they might offer some discounts uh, you know, in normal times, but you know, you, you're paying for it one way or another. But right now, at least as of early March, what we're seeing is, is some of the larger builders, rather than dropping their prices to try and meet the market where it is, is, is they're buying down the interest rates on their loans. So I've seen some of the larger builders advertising a, you know, 5% interest rate mortgage when currently that doesn't exist. Like the national average for a 30 year fixed is, you know, upwards of six and a half percent. So, you know, if you can get a, a new home through one of these builders and get a below market mortgage, that could be pretty attractive for some people. So something to consider there. Um, if you're like in the market now for a house, maybe consider looking at a spec home if you want a lower interest rate mortgage. But 
yeah. other thoughts and there. it makes sense from their perspective because you know if we can maintain the price level like the price level of each house that's sold affects appraisals on the next house that gets sold and so if they can maintain the price level it allows them to continue to sell houses at the, at the price that they want to get for their homes um yeah so i i actually my, our first home was also like a spec home and it was like a townhouse style condo and i remember it was the same thing where like there was not a whole lot of budging on price but it was like we don't really want your washer and dryer so we're gonna get our own can you give us like a credit for like us getting our own washer and dryer like that kind of stuff um so again not a, a lot of budging but at the same time there can there can be some good incentives to get you into that home so they can have less inventory, especially if, you know, at the price level they're selling at, maybe they have more on hand than they want to. Maybe they're not comfortable to hold on to those because that can that can be really challenging for a construction company. Yeah, got to move the product. Um, that's why you're, you're seeing a lot of uh, projects that were planned have just been halted before they've begun just because the builders don't want to take on the risk of potentially not being able to sell the house for the price they would need or want to sell it for so now let's see the the, the third option is, is going the custom built home route and uh, we'll probably end up doing a separate episode at some point on this one uh, we'll just kind of cover the high notes today um, but uh, but this is starting to become more popular especially in certain markets just again due to lack of inventory and builders not wanting to take the risk of building a home that they can't sell you know builders might buy up lots and then you know say hey come work with us and, and build the home and, and you know the advantage for a builder with the custom home route is the risk is all on the the buyer not the builder you know in a traditional real estate environment builder takes all the risk they're you know buying the land, working with the city, buying the materials, building the house, um, and then hoping that they can sell for a profit. Whereas in this route, it's, you know, you work with the customer and here's the prices of all the materials. Here's, you know, our markup, our fee for building it. And it's it's a much safer uh, route for a builder, but a lot slower and more tedious. And, and you can't use economies of scale. Like if you're building spec homes in a large neighborhood, you can get you know, much better prices on the materials because you're ordering the literally the exact same cabinets for a hundred homes. Um, you know, the cabinet maker will will give you some some better pricing there. But anyways, um, custom built home definitely the most daunting option if you're considering uh, pursuing this one. Um, it's also potentially the most expensive one too. Not necessarily. Um, you know, some existing homes that have some nice finishes might you know be asking for more than what you could build a new home for um, but there's also no upper limit to how much you can spend on features and finishes for a home you know do you want one of those smart homes where when you walk in it sets the temperature to a certain price you got you know the alexa enabled wi-fi everything throughout the house um, you know surround sound fire pit in the backyard pool like i mean again no upper limit so you got to be careful when you start looking at those things um but the the big advantage of a custom home is you get more of what you want in a home because you're designing it yourself so you know with the existing homes that we talked about kind of gotta take what you can get sure you can do renovations um but you know it's this can be a pain um you know versus if you can start it design it from scratch from the ground up 
Um, now, if you're going to go a construction home route, you're, you're likely going to need to get a construction loan unless you're paying cash. Now, this is different than a typical mortgage, and construction loans really vary from bank to bank. So definitely shop around to find the product that makes the most sense for your circumstances. Um, generally speaking, it's an interest-only loan during the construction period, and then once the home is complete, it'll either just automatically convert to a normal mortgage, or you may have to refinance at that point to a new mortgage. So if that's the case, there's definitely some risk because you don't know what your interest rate's going to be a year from now when the home's done. So um, again, you know, depending on you know your circumstances, you know, different banks have different construction loan products, um, and you know, again, some of them you can lock in the interest rate from day one, and that's what your interest rate is for the next 30 years. Others, again, you have to refinance when construction's over. Um, you know probably goes without saying, but a custom-built home is going to be a much longer process than buying an existing home or a spec home, you know, an existing home for sale or a spec home that's already completed. I mean, you potentially could move in within a month of making an offer if things go quickly and, you know, if the existing homeowners don't need to do a rent back or anything. Um, whereas with the custom-built home, you need to buy the lot. You need to find the builder. You need to get an architect to design the house. You got to get permits from the city. And, you know, the architect and, and builder will do some of that stuff for you. But it's still a process. You have to, and the city might reject the initial design and say, this doesn't meet our codes or standards. Or the neighborhood might reject your paint colors or say, no, we don't want a purple house in this neighborhood. Um, you know, and then you got to pick literally all of your finishes inside and out, like down to the color and style of the handles on your cabinets. Um, it, it's, you know, it, it can get pretty tedious and it's a process. Um, but, uh, but yeah, you know, again, you get to pick more of what you want. Now, some builders already own the land, so you would have to work with that specific builder if you want that lot, or you might be able to negotiate and buy the lot from them. Um, but otherwise, you know, a, a large developer will be selling off the lots and you could buy the lot from the developer and then go select your own builder. But, um, but yeah, from start to finish, probably going to take at least a year, if not longer between, you know, buying the lot, getting the builder, designing, et cetera, permitting. So, um, you, you definitely have to plan ahead. You can't go the custom route if, if you're needed to move soon, or I guess you could, you just have to plan on renting for a while before you can move in. So, yeah. I think I've had a couple of clients go through this and there are definitely a handful of things that can go wrong, you know. So if you come up with a budget at the very beginning and it's based on the cost of materials right now and then the cost of those materials when it's time to buy them is actually a lot higher or, you know, that specific thing that you had picked out is no longer available and now you have to go back and you have to pick something else. And so there's a lot of things that can either increase the cost or delay some piece of construction, which then delays other pieces of construction, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And that can be really challenging. So just be prepared for things to go wrong because something will, like it's just not all going to go super smoothly. The other thing is that, you know, you have to be really careful with how your loan is structured because some banks are like, we're going to give you up to this dollar amount. So if there's a difference in what they're willing to lend you and what it actually ends up costing, you're going to have to come up with that on your own. And they may also require that that construction is done within a specific time frame. And if it's not, 
You know, maybe you don't have that interest rate locked in at the end of the loan or whatever it is. Like you may have to go back to the bank and restructure the entire thing if there's enough of a delay, if enough things go wrong. And absolutely during the last couple of years, I've had a couple of clients where that happened. You know, especially with like all the supply chain issues that we were dealing with, like it caused increased costs and delays, which can compound and just create a whole host of issues. So, you know, build in some extra money in your budget so you have some flexibility to be able to like figure it out. Um, And I don't know, it's like, I don't want to say the worst is going to happen, but be prepared for the worst and then you'll be surprised and happy when the worst doesn't happen. <laughs> and, it's a good way to all. approach life, you know, just right? <laughs> be prepared for things to go wrong. And like, yeah. we did an episode on, what was it titled? The uh, reality minus expectations equals satisfaction. So if you know, you keep your expectations yeah. in check, you know, you'll be pleasantly surprised if things go well, but you won't be overly disappointed if things don't go well. Yeah. And I think honestly, like the contractors have an incentive to give you kind of a rosy picture because they they want you to do it. And I think that's that's kind of natural and we can be angry with them all we want, but it's not going to change anything. So just kind of be prepared for like the expectations that they set to maybe not be exactly what happens. And I think it's also really important to get some references for whatever contractor you do work with. Like talk to someone who has dealt with that person, like actual clients and and talk to them about their experience and probably more than one person. Because hopefully any contractor has done a really good job for at least one person. But, you know, talk to a few different people that they have worked with if possible. Yep. Um, Let's see, ways to pay for a home. Um, There's good old-fashioned cash, either from your own savings, proceeds from the sale of investments, proceeds from the sale of an existing home or, you know, potentially the bank of mom and dad for some people. And then there's the mortgage route, which for the majority of of folks is the way they go to purchase a home because not a lot of people have enough cash available to, uh, to just write a check for a house. Um, so various different kinds of, of mortgages with different down payment requirements and structures. I mean, we won't go through all of them today. Um, probably couldn't even cover all of them in, a, in an episode. There's so many different financing options out there. But um, generally, your, your, your mortgage payment will include principal and interest. And then, and then oftentimes you'll wrap in within the escrow portion of it, your homeowner's insurance and property taxes, but you can elect to pay those separately uh, in some cases. And um, early on, the, the majority of your payment is going to go to interest. And you know, first handful of years, you're hardly going to see your, your mortgage balance change. It's, it's like, wait, I've paid all this money and I'm only, you know, $5,000 lower than I was at the start of the year. What the heck? Uh, again, it's because most of it's going to interest. But in the later years, the majority of your payments are going to principal as it, you know, it's amortized over a 30-year schedule, which is common. 30-year fixed and 15-year fixed rate loans are, are probably the most common that we see um, where you've locked in the interest rate. It will never change for the duration of the loan. Um, there's also adjustable rate mortgages where it's fixed for the first portion, you know, so if you have a 5-1 arm, for example, it's fixed for the first five years, and then the one means every 
one year thereafter, the rate will adjust to the current market rate. If you have, say, a 10-6 arm, the first 10 years it's fixed, and then every six months thereafter it will adjust to whatever the current market rate is, up or down. You know, if rates are dropping, an adjustable rate mortgage can work in your favor because you're going to continually get lower and lower interest rates on your loan without doing anything. But it can also go the other direction. If interest rates are rising, your mortgage rate will go up and up and up, and as a result, your payment will go up and up and up. Um, so you got to be mindful of that. And again, it, it depends on your circumstances, You know how quickly you think you can pay off the house, et cetera, to figure out which product is best for you. Yep. And you're not necessarily locked into the mortgage that you set up right now. You know, if the interest rate environment changes dramatically, there's always the possibility that you can refinance. And I don't necessarily think it's good to assume you could do that. But, you know, if rates go down, that could be a very good option depending on how long you're going to stay in the home. Um, And refinancing to a lower rate can change the amount you pay per month fairly dramatically if the interest rate is is better. so, you know, that's one thing to keep in mind. But I think in general, there's so much to think about with, with mortgages. That <laughs> and it changes all the time, too. You know, so if you're thinking about buying a home a year from now, you can do all the math you want, but the math is going to be totally different 12 months from now. So it, it's not, I mean, it's good to be thinking about what this looks like, but it's not necessarily going to be what it looks like when you're ready. Yeah, you can only control so much. So um, just be prepared. You might have to adjust your uh, your price point accordingly if rates are higher or if rates are lower, potentially gets you more money to spend. So um, I guess in conclusion, a lot of different options you could pursue. There's no one right or wrong route to go. It's just it's dependent on your circumstances, where you want to live. Like, you know, certain markets, it, there, there's more supply of different types of things you know maybe in certain markets that are fully built up um like i can't imagine in a city like boston there's a ton of spec homes available there's not a lot of room for new developments out there i'm just guessing i don't know for a fact but i'm guessing um whereas like in some more up-and-coming towns in america there might be a lot of new developments going on um or if you're willing to live in the burbs (laughs) yeah like existing homes for sale you know if people are wanting to move away from a certain city or upgrade within a certain city you know there might be more supply of existing homes whereas in other markets there you know people are trying to move to that city and not away from it there's probably not going to be a lot available so yeah like we've talked already real estate is very very localized um, even within the same city, like one neighborhood might be a hot market and another neighborhood houses sit forever and they can't move them. So, um, but yeah, uh, definitely encourage you, whichever route you go, you know, work with a good mortgage person um, that has a, a good array of mortgage products available so you can find the right one for you and and work with a good real estate agent. And ideally, your mortgage person and real estate agent are on the same page and play nice together because that'll make the whole process go a lot smoother as well. Any other thoughts, Rochelle? One thing that's somewhat unrelated, but renting is not the end of the world. (laughs) I feel like I have so many clients who are like, ah, this is the worst. Why am I still renting? But it can give you a lot of flexibility. You know, you... 
you have options to make changes pretty easily when you're renting. Whereas, you know, once you're in a home, it's much, much more difficult to make any sort of changes to your living arrangements or where, you know, where you're working, all of that kind of stuff. So, yeah, don't don't dismiss renting if you think that could be a good option for you. Yeah, and right now, especially with where mortgage rates are at, like it's a lot less expensive to rent in almost every city in America right now. Maybe not every single one, but you, I, in most markets, the amount you would pay for rent is going to be less than the amount you would pay on a mortgage if you were to buy an equivalent home. So, um, so yeah, it, you know, depending on how drastic that difference is, if it's like, all right, I can rent a home for three thousand a month, and it would you know, cost me 3500 if I was owning it. All right, maybe over the long run you want to be a homeowner. It's not that big of a difference. But if it's like rent is 3000 owning would be 7000 All right, well. Which we got, I have seen so many times lately. <laughs> we got some, some food for thought here. Like, yeah. is, it, is it in our best interest to be a homeowner long term? Maybe not. Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong with that. I have, I have a client who like literally vows – never to own a home. He's like, I just don't see the reason for it. We're flexible. We can move when we want. It's cheaper to be a renter. I can invest the difference. And he actually does. So it's like, <laughs> yeah, more power to you. Absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, always just think about what's best for you and your family and try to make some informed decisions. That's probably the biggest lesson with everything generally. There we go. Well, thanks for listening. Give us a 10 star rating and write a review. If you like the show, share with your friends. Um, But yeah, we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. We would love to hear your feedback and suggestions for future topics you'd like us to cover. You can get in touch with the show by emailing podcast at thefinitygroup.com or by following Finity Group on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, and YouTube at Finity Group LLC. You can follow me on Twitter at Corey Janoff CFP, Instagram at Corey Janoff, or on LinkedIn under my name, Corey Janoff. You can follow me on Twitter at Rochelle Finance or on Instagram, Vanderzanden Rochelle, or on LinkedIn under my name, Rochelle Vanderzanden. Check out all of the podcast episodes on the affinitygroup.com slash podcast on our Finity Group YouTube channel or your favorite podcast app. And don't forget to check out our Financial Clarity blog at theaffinitygroup.com slash blog. Thanks for listening to this episode of Financial Clarity for Doctors by Finity Group, LLC.